0: Okay, you were, you were saying you were in LA for 30 years. Yeah, plug
1: me into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so for the audience, we started this podcast off the air. Um <laughs> yes, and we Jack did. and I were we're Jack and I were talking about how cool we are because we eat a lot of meat. And um and Jack mentioned he, he goes, you know, I I don't I, I just don't feel right if I don't eat enough meat. And it almost sounds like an infomercial when someone says that, but it, I started saying, yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. But most people don't realize that they don't feel good when, you know, uh, vegans, for instance. And, yeah. and look, I'll give the average vegan a buy round uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, when most people go vegan, it's because it's the same reason people go carnivore or uh, low carb or anything else. They're, they're usually searching for you know something better than what they have and usually what they have is a the standard american diet Here right and and that's enough to make you sick and once you start feeling bad you you'll start going down rabbit holes and of course vegan sounds healthy i mean what's healthier than eating a vegetable i mean we've heard your whole life eat eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables. So vegan has veggie right in it and um so being in la you know most people most people would eat, would go vegan and go Vinny, you don't understand, I I feel better than I felt in years. I feel I feel light. I'm my thought patterns. I'm clear in the morning. And this is just wonderful. And I'll go Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's gonna last for about two weeks, maybe three. But usually by the third week, they're not feeling good anymore. Because when you go off of the standard American diet, and you get off of crappy food, and a lot of people when they go vegan, at first, they'll, they'll, they'll um, uh, do a juice cleanse or some kind of, I don't know if they're cleansing, but they're cleansing some kind of toxins that they don't think belong in their body. And no one's ever explained what these toxins are. But okay, let's assume you're doing that. And um, they feel better. But now it's kind of like, you know, people that do drugs, you do drugs the first time and then you are just chasing that high for the rest of the time mm-hmm. until you realize you really have a problem and you have to come off. Veganism is the same way. You know, most people go off of veganism. Here's a fact, within the first three months of starting, because they realize how crazy it is. Uh, 87% of vegans go back to eating meat within a year. These are
0: facts. I have I have to tell you. Um yeah. I I met my now wife a little over two years ago. And when I met her, she she's we we are very compatible, extraordinarily compatible. But I was right up front with her about my my consuming need for consuming meat. And she said that she was a chigan. He said, What's a cheegan? Yeah. She said, A cheating vegan. Yeah. <laughs> um she's, I'm, I'm, she's I'm, no longer vegan or Cheegan. Um, but yeah. <laughs> hey, for those of you who are wondering what the hell's going on, this is the stay off my operating table podcast. Yes, we just jumped into the middle of it. I'm Jack Heald. This is Philip Ovedia. It's his podcast. He hasn't said a word and we're already 10 minutes in. Hey, Phil, thanks for inviting Vinny. I'm talking no to problem. Vinny Tortorich.
2: And, and thank Thankfully, Vinny needs no introduction. (laughs) I I would be surprised if there are many uh, in my audience who don't know who Vinny is. But uh, Vinny um, Tortorich is really, you know, um, one of the true um, original uh, forward thinkers when it comes to nutrition. Uh, Vinny was, uh, I think I had said before we started uh, recording that Vinny's been podcasting since before there were podcasts. And uh, Vinny has uh, three documentaries and uh, his book, Fitness Confidential, is still uh, really one of the um, leading, uh, I would say, uh, nutritional books out there and one of the most informative nutritional books out there. So uh, just honored to have Vinny on, um, you know, and uh, I've now known Vinny for a few years, fortunate to be on his podcast, again, one of the leading uh, podcasts in the fitness space. And uh, really, I've been working up to this moment uh, because, uh, you know, just wanted to get to the point in my podcasting career where I felt ready to have Vinny on as a guest. So uh, we're happy to have Vinny today. And, and we've already gotten a preview of some of the great stuff I'm sure we're going to talk about.
0: Okay. So when I interrupted him, when I interrupted you, Vinny, you were telling me that um, some percentage—I don't remember what—of of people who go vegan quit with, within a year.
1: Yeah, um, a very high percent because we were never meant to not eat, you know, animal products. And people find that out. And some people go for years. I mean, <clears throat> uh, uh, my my friend, um, oh God, her name is now slipping my mind. Um, uh, Leah Keith. She was a devout vegan for. Twenty something years, and she finally one day she was dying. You know, everything was just her body was shutting down. You know, your body can only take it for so long, and she was doing it the right way. I mean, she was planning her own food and doing all the stuff, and she realized. You know, she goes, "You know, we we tell ourselves we're not killing stuff, but I have to kill everything." in order to eat. this, every time you break ground, you have to kill some. And you know, but at some point, she couldn't deny that her health was failing. She hadn't had a period in years. And these are all things she's discussed on my podcast over the years. She's in my third movie, beyond impossible. And you know, it it, she finally she wasn't a chigan. she went all in. And finally, one day she had a piece of meat. And it was almost like, you know, the angels started singing and the clouds lifted and uh, she never looked back. Um, you know, you mentioned Sheegans. Uh I, I know someone an acquaintance who is well known in the vegan community as one of the top vegan athletes. And everyone goes, look at him. He's doing all this stuff. And he he's a vegan. I've been with the guy eating meat. You know, it's, you know, you know, and, and I'll never <laughs> sell him out. But You know, it's I remember one one day I was (laughs) talking to his wife and she was like, Oh, my husband wouldn't touch coffee. We never I met him originally in a Starbucks. (laughs) And I said to her, I said, You realize I met your husband in a Starbucks? She goes, Oh, but he doesn't drink coffee anymore. And I looked down and I said, hmm. I wonder how he gets that coffee off of his breath before he gets home. He, he, (laughs) he would drink a coffee within a coffee. He did something called a black eye or red eye or something where you put the red eye.
0: Yeah. He was like pouring. Give me a black with, with six shots of espresso.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Give me a black Black? coffee and add a lot of espresso (laughs) to it. And I own a coffee company and I was looking at this guy going, you gotta be kidding me. I, I mean, I own a coffee company and I don't do that. You know, and, um, but yeah, you know, so his wife didn't even know he drank coffee. You know, so these people just walk around, I guess, lying to themselves, but to the point where, and this is what we we're talking about off mic, and I think this is what you wanted me to get to. Um, when you feel bad all the time, like in LA, you know, everyone, when I got there, everyone had diseases I'd never heard of before. I'd moved from New Orleans, and now I was working with uh, celebrities early nineteen nineties, and everything. Like, oh no, you don't understand. I have candida. I was a like, candida. What's candida? Oh, you don't understand. I have Epstein Ep, Epstein bar. Epstein. Every third person I met had Epstein bar, and I, I, you know, there was no computer to go look it up. I'm like, what's this Epstein bar? And I remember mentioning it to a doctor one day. I said, what's Epstein bar? The doctor rolled his eyes. He goes, Oh, half of Hollywood has it. It's nothing. If they just ate right, they would feel better. He goes, basically, they're lethargic, they're falling asleep. They're sitting around eating quinoa and and celery sticks and doing some kind of, you know, grapefruit diet, and they can't figure out why they have no energy. You know, he goes, if they just ate the Epstein bar, I'm making air quotes,
0: would all go away. (laughs) Right? and the more i looked into it i'm sorry to be laughing i mean look, i mean about, do you, do you, i had this family member years ago who got into one of those goofball diets um and this person who i will do my best not to identify in any way shape or form other than those of us who know the story it was carrots and the doctor finally said to her you have got to stop eating carrots you're turning orange. You can yeah. never have another carrot the rest of your life. And she really was. She was turning orange. Yeah, the, okay. the carrot. Yeah, it, it'll make, it it. When
1: people get into these wacky diets, they go, "No, you don't understand. I'm, I'm sick." It's like, "No, you're getting sicker from doing the wacky diet." And uh, you know, I, I, you know, one after the other, Jack, I, I would see, you know, um, what was the last one? Right, I, I was there for thirty years. The last couple of years, I was there. Everyone had, um. Or oh, was a new one? Everyone had um, the d-
0: disease of the month club. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was—it
1: it was literally disease of the month. <clears throat> um, they all of a sudden all had. Um, oh, I'll think of. As a matter of fact, whenever people started getting um, um, celiac, I didn't believe it at first. Now I understand celiac. You know, they changed wheat so much, people were actually getting sick from. I didn't. Yeah, I thought that was another Epstein bar. But that's not the one I'm talking about that actually exists. Um, um, Chronic something uh, chronic chronic fatigue fatigue, syndrome. Yeah, chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay. Didn't we call that Epstein bar back in 93? (laughs) Didn't we call it Candida in 96? I mean, it's the same thing. Go freaking eat a, a piece of red meat, eat some animal muscle, all your problems will go away. Everybody had, you know, oh, you don't understand
0: my adrenal, adrenal fatigue was another one. Adrenal fatigue. You know what? That is so, that's so interesting. I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue and um, I really was just exhausted from a series of life situations, circumstances. And my instinct was exactly backwards i I had this awful almost debilitating stomach acid that just wouldn't quit went on for months and i thought you know man, genius jack here hmm, what would absorb stomach acid bread bread would absorb acid right so i'm just um and of course it just is getting worse and worse and worse i now realize and i wasn't trying to particularly avoid meat or anything it was just I was traveling too much and eating bad. If I have just cut the crap out of my diet and, and eat and just focused on have a steak every day. Yeah. I think a lot of those problems would have just disappeared. In fact, my, my doctor who finally helped me get well, that's basically what he had me do. We're getting rid of all the foods that cause you um, any kind of inflammatory problem. And uh, here's this list of things you can eat. And it was basically meat and nuts. No, it wasn't it, nuts. It was basically
1: meat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all real. You know, the, the fatigue is real in a lot of cases. Oh, God, yes. Wrong. Because, look, we, you know, we hop in tubes and we end up four time zones over yeah. just by hopping in a tube, sitting next to people, you know, crowded in, in a tube. And at 500 miles an hour, you know, and people go back and forth. People travel for a living. You know, when you start doing that. Your body's on different time zones all the time. You're trying to go back and forth. It wears. It will wear you the f out. Yeah. And that's the part people don't realize is that is it, oh I can handle this I can no no you can't we, we used to be up with the sun you know gone with the wind down with the moon you know that was it you know and not anymore you know we we just think we can cheat it all what say you Philip.
2: Yeah, you know, so what I'd love to hear, Vinny, is, you know, you've been dealing with this now for, you know, 30 plus years and you've been talking about this stuff and it seems so obvious, um, you know, and you, you know, you oftentimes say how, you know, if I was able to figure this out, you know, coming out of the bayou, uh, then, you know, why did all these celebrities and all these people in LA and all their fancy doctors and their money and stuff? Um, Why do they get it so wrong? Why do we have such trouble getting people to understand, uh, you know, what is should be basic human instinct?
1: Um, I I think it's guys like me, and I'm not bragging about me, because I'm saying it's guys like me, not particularly me, who we are nerds. And we have enough science background, and we have enough hmm, in our system where we just go, hmm, something doesn't make sense here. Um, That started happening to me 40 years ago when I first got to college, over 40 years now. And, you know, I, I started asking questions in my freshman year. And when you ask, I'm going to name drop here, my friend, Dr. Drew Pinsky, who's around my age, he was like, yeah, you know, you were there just learning. I was there trying to get into med school. And Philip, you understand that it's all about... Yeah. You know, um, I was taking gross anatomy, I was taking kinesiology, I was taking everything with the pre-med kids, and a lot of times I was the curve buster, I'm bragging here for a second. They didn't like that. They were like, come on, dude, you're on a football team, you're not even going to med, you don't care about being a, you're not going to med school, what what are you doing? And they would come up to me before Mm -hmm. a test, how do you feel, what do you think, what do you think they're going to ask? And it's like, I don't know. See, I was just interested in the subject they were just interested in getting out of the subject and moving to the next layer of becoming a doctor. I mean, you guys go through 12 years or so of holy hell, to get where you are. Right. And, you know, I ask every doctor this, and I'll ask you, I mean, when you go through how much nutrition did you get? Was it a day? Did you get two days? Was, you know,
0: answer the question, Phil, I know the answer. Phil yeah, I've had this conversation. Yeah, it was very, and I love minimal. to get this on, yeah. on tape. Yeah,
2: I, I remember a, uh, I believe it was about a three day uh, course that was probably a couple hours each day uh, on nutrition. And it was just, you know, it was the basics. This is the food pyramid. This is what a carbohydrate is, um, you know, and uh, that was it. And, and even more so, you know, as you go through the training and, you know, you uh, go through all the different rotations and you're in the hospital. Uh, no one's talking about nutrition. No one's talking about the impact of what these people are eating on the diseases they're developing. And, you know, what you're alluding to is correct in many ways. You know What medical school does is gets you to memorize information and teaches you how to follow protocols it really doesn't do a good job at teaching you how to think, how to have, you know, kind of these common sense, uh, basic uh, thoughts uh, to question, you know, some of these narratives. And, And I've admitted it, you know, on this show and in many other places that for the first 10 plus years of my career, I didn't question them either. You know, they were gospel, they were truth. And you just you're working hard, you're trying to take care of people, and it's just sort of you know nose to the grindstone uh until you know one day you kind of look up and you look around you at least I did and said what what are we doing here what's going on and uh that leads you to start asking these different questions
1: yeah you know the things and I tell this to people and and you know my kind of you know back by you way of doing things my great grandmother was born in Italy, and barely spoke English. But I would hear things as a kid from a woman who died when she was 100. Right? This woman was born in the 1800s. She would say things like if we had a Coca Cola or something, don't drink that you're going to get diabetes. How did this old woman from Italy, who had maybe fifth grade education equivalents? Don't don't drink too much. You'll get diabetes, right? Don't don't um, Oh, too much bread, you're gonna get fat. Too much pasta, you're gonna get fat. Look at that ponza, you got you're you're getting fat. How did this woman know that? Yet when I got to Tulane, a a school that's known for medicine, all of a sudden, I couldn't find a professor to to agree with that. As a matter of fact, it was mentioned in my freshman year, you know, a a professor was talking about fat and, and the importance of fat and your body's preferred fuel being fat. Your brain's preferred fuel. That same professor a couple of months later was talking about something, and he said, "The brain, you know, I, I mean, we need sugar as fuel." And since I take prolific notes, I went back to September 21st and I said, "Professor, um, you said on the 21st of September that our brains, our bodies prefer fat as the, our fuel of choice. Now you're saying carbohydrates." And he goes, "Yeah, it's carbohydrates." And so, well, what happened to Fabs, and every Jewish kid in there was going, which one's going to be on the test? Just tell us what's going to be on the test. <laughs> I'm saying Jewish kids, I was the only I was out of Catholic school in New Orleans, I was the only non Jewish kid there, <laughs> which made no sense to me. And I'm an atheist. Um, but that's all these kids wanted to wait, know. wait,
0: you don't believe in God, and you broke the curve. Oh, my yeah, God. I,
1: I, I was all over the place. Um, <laughs> Now half your audience is gonna, he's an atheist. I'm out of here. I'm done with him.
0: Nope, nope. We've got a good audience. <laughs> They're good people. Yeah. yeah trust
1: me, people hate when I tell the truth. Um, but you know, that there's this whole thing where the, the students were going, wait, which what what are you putting on the test? That's what we need to know. Yet mm-hmm. I was sitting there going, You said one thing, now you're saying another thing. Which one should I learn? Which one should I know? Sure. And that was that was my first rabbit hole. We're talking 40 some odd years ago, 1981. That's that's over 40 years ago, right? So, you know, those were the kind of rabbit holes I started going down. You know, my great-grandmother knew something that Tulane didn't
0: know. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that? I mean, really, you make a very, very good point. An old Italian woman born two Since in in the century twice removed exactly (laughs) with a fifth grade education, new stuff that only here in the last 10-15 years has anybody in the medical world started to to well, no no, no, no,
1: well, no, not not exactly true. You could go back to
0: Banting, and you know we can we can go
1: back to the early 1900s. Oh, true, true. We we could go back to the 1800s. We knew this. We could go back uh, whenever uh, Ansel Keys was was running amok. We there was a guy over in, in England, Yatkin John Yutkin, in, in in the late 50s, going into the 60s, saying, "No, no, it's sugar. It's sugar's the problem." While Ansel Keys was you know squashing him, going, "Don't listen to him." Don't listen to the guy from Europe, one country over from Vinny's grandmother. Um, Let's listen to me because somehow I have this information, which it was all out of whole cloth. It was just all pulled out of whole cloth. And nobody, you know, we can only surmise why Ansel Keys was doing what he was doing. We don't really know why we don't. We don't really know what was happening at Minnesota University what was behind him because he wasn't a vegan. He he wasn't a Seventh day Adventist. And if I don't know if your audience knows what that is and how that connects to
0: it. Uh, let's I happen to, but I, I'm not a good meta, a good avatar for that. Let's put, pull those two together real quick.
1: Okay. Um, veganism. What? And by the way, folks, I have nothing against veganism. I'm just, I I'm just fact-based and I don't care whose feelings I hurt. Um, veganism was started through the Seventh day Adventist church. Um, as a matter of fact, you can link all the quote unquote blue zones around the world to Seventh day Adventists and that sort of thing. Um, well, at least the ones in the United States. And back in, in the 1860s, around the time Lincoln was in the White House, um, the, uh, there was a woman named Ellen G. White who was uh, a parishioner of some sort in the church, as much as a woman can be a parishioner in any church at that time. And she woke up one morning and said, you know, God came to me in my sleep. Now, if I did that today, my wife would have me committed by noontime. If I said God came to me in in my sleep, and he talked to me, "Oh, oh, no, he had a seizure, there's something wrong. He's had a stroke, something happened. Right? We I would be studied. But back in 1865, when Ellen G. White said that, they said, Oh, no, what did God say to you? And she said a bunch of things. And one of the things she said was, God told me that we should not eat anything with a face. So if it has a heartbeat, if it's a sentient being, God said we can't eat those anymore. Now, God didn't tell this to any other animal except us, the human animal, every other animal. Game on. Um so Ellen G. White says this, and it, it coincided <laughs> with what was going on in the Seventh-day Adventist Church to begin with, which was they didn't care for masturbation a whole lot. And they realized that just like we we were talking about earlier, when you eat meat, you feel better, you're more virile, oh, and my. you know they they didn't believe in masturbation. As a matter of fact, they didn't believe in sex for any other reason, uh, other than procreation. Right. So they did not want people to have sex and they figured out oh wait, when you pull meat away from young men, they're not as virile. We'll just keep them working hard all day, give them a bunch of grains. And as it turns out, there was a young guy named uh, john C. Kellogg, who became a doctor by the way, who worked for the, the church. He he was a, a page and he did a lot of typing for the church and the whole thing. And he worked under Ellen G. White. And <clears throat> he was the guy who figured out dextrinization, turning a grain into a sugar. Uh but that's another story for another day. Maybe you guys will have me back since you've already had Anna on the show. I can't believe you had Anna on the show before me. What the F is that?
2: So no, we I, haven't had Anna yet. Oh, you haven't? No, we haven't.
0: I thought you had Anna. Look um, at you getting all upset over nothing. I, wait, let me,
1: have you had God. Cynthia Thurlow?
0: Uh, we have. Yeah, had Cynthia. Yeah,
2: yeah. I can't believe you had Cynthia
1: Thurlow before
2: me. I told okay. you, Vinny. I had a no, warm no. up. I, had a gave him something I was to... ready for you.
1: Wait, you warmed up on Cynthia. It should have been the other way around. She, she's the star out there. So um, and she's way cuter. Um, she's definitely better looking. Oh my gosh, she's a smoke show. But at any rate, let's talk about another smoke show. G. white. Um, <laughs> do not go look up pictures of this woman. Ever because you will never masturbate again.
0: Okay, here but, we go. Um, wait, wait. You, you mean you've got a cure for masturbation? Yeah, it's that. Only, right, a photo of her. Um, when
1: you pull it up and see it, you'll post it up, the link on the show notes. You'll never find uh, her in sports <laughs> Illustrated. let's put it oh that way. Oh my one. god. <clears throat> um oh. So at any rate, are you looking at it?
2: Ooh. I have a
1: picture of her in my first movie, Fata Documentary, if anybody wants to see it. Wow.
2: At any rate, highly highly recommend FATA documentary, by the way. But it's amazing, you know, how we, you know, knew all this, we forgot all this. And we came to believe that, you know, the, the 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 theory that was put in place of this, um, you know, was the absolute truth. And all of these things that we that we did know, that, you know, like you said, 1800s, you can go back even further. And uh, you know. Figure out, you know, the original descriptions of diabetes talk about, you know, stop eating sugar, stop eating wheat. Um, and yet we quickly forgot all that. We replaced it with another theory. And the results, since we've been following that theory, have clearly been disastrous. And yet we can't go back and question that theory now. You know, we, you're the crazy one if you're questioning um, this hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, meat is bad for your health and, and you know, saturated fat is bad for your health. Uh, and all these things which we knew and forgot and have now, you know, basically proven again.
1: Well, let, let, let's, uh, let's go with that for a second. So we knew this information. So the question becomes this. And I'm going to weave a really funky thing here. And you're gonna go Oh, my God, this guy may be a genius or or you may say good night, everybody. This guy's nuts. He needs a tinfoil hat. The Seventh Day Adventist Church created the DA, the Dietitians Association. Most people don't know that. You could go back. You can. By the way, this is not hard to follow. You can. You can do the math all the way back to the beginning of of you know, red RDs, registered dietitians. That was all created by the Seventh Day Adventists by the church, LG White's church. So you take that. Now we have an organization registered dietitians, right? RDS, these who are now saying that this is the way we should eat. Right? And they get in with the insurance companies, they get in with everyone. Now, uh, doctors who took, I think Phil, um said six hours, he said three days of a couple of hours each. So six hours of nutrition. So as a doctor, he knows nothing about nutrition, he knows how to clear an artery. That's what he does for a living. So he doesn't want to get sued. No doctor wants to get sued because most of them can't make money anymore because they're paying back a half a million dollars in student loans or more. Right? So these guys You know, people think doctors used to belong to country clubs, and they used to be rich and do all this stuff. Now doctors are running for their lives. And these big companies come in. And these companies say, Hey, look, come work for us. Come work for us. We'll pay you malpractice. We'll take care of this. We'll take care of that. We'll take care of everything. All you have to do is not practice medicine. And you're gonna go, what are you talking about? Whenever you look at your blood work, you're looking at the same thing the doctors are looking. they'll hand you a sheet and say, Here you go, Jack, here's your blood work. And there'll be a little graph on it, sometimes four or five numbers, and there'll be you got to be between these two lines. That's all the doctor knows. He knows as much as you know, he doesn't really even know how to study your blood. And he's not practicing medicine. He's looking at the same thing you can look at. You actually don't need the doctor anymore. Unless the doctor has to, like Philip, has to go in and clear out your arteries
0: or, you know, do an ablation or whatever they do. Right. And I got to tell you, you're making all kinds of friends here. You are so my kind of guy. <laughs> and well, I'm just, if I'm ever down I'm, there, I'm having are. so much fun thinking of all the people we are pissing off.
1: We're talking to like, like minded people. So no one's getting pissed off. But, so the these doctors are saying, look, you know, they're saying, look, as long as you don't buck the system, as long as you go along with then you and so if let's say someone walks into a doctor's office, and they're morbidly obese, well, we're at a point now where doctors can't even tell people they're fat anymore. That's fat shaming. We can't let doctors weigh people anymore because they can sue you for fat shaming about putting them on scales and on and on and on. This is really going on folks. This is really going on. And then the doctor is scared to say anything about diet, so they'll say, "This dietitian, or this is what our people tell us to do," and it's written up by the registered dietitians, and that was created by the Seventh Day Adventists who are telling you not to eat saturated fat. And there's your problem. They've now integrated themselves into medicine, into insurance, into everything. That's why it won't change until enough people are like Philip and say. I'm mad as hell. And I'm not going to take it anymore. But not enough doctors or Philip, not enough doctors are trocolasian or Brian Lenskis or um, uh, Timothy Noakes, who got sued twice by the government of South Africa, or Gary um, uh, Fetke or any of these doctors who were sued by their countries for telling people the truth. Do you know the Gary Fetke story? Have you guys ever told I've, him? I okay.
0: No, we have. I know
2: we've told it on the show. I certainly know it, but I know the um, name,
0: but I don't think I know the story. Oh, oh, sit, sit back, Jack. Sit back.
1: (laughs) He was in my first movie. Gary Fetke is a um, uh, is a uh, doctor, um, um, uh, orthopedic surgeon. orthopedic, Orthopedic surgeon, and he was doing work as a private doctor, but the government in Tasmania would also send you you know, people to lop their limbs off when they had type two diabetes. And, you know, you you start to lose your limbs. And Gary was tired of cutting limbs off. Mm. And off of young people, by the way. Mm. And he happened to notice that um, if you you reverse type two diabetes by cutting sugar out, you can also reverse the problems that cause the limbs to go dead. So he was saving people's limbs. The government came in and said, "We don't pay you to fix people that way. We pay you to cut legs off. You go back to cutting legs and feet off. That's what you do." And they said, "If you keep telling people on the internet that they can change the way that they they eat and they will change their life, we will take your medical license away." And they did. Now. I chronicled him in my first movie and magically right before the movie came out, because everyone knew it was a wide release, Gary got his um, license back to practice medicine again. Um, I don't think I was the cause. I think there was several things that happened because what they did was illegal. I even showed you've seen the first movie, right, Phil? Yeah. I show a limb being cut off in the movie. I show what happens. You see a foot being cut off in an operation falling into the pail. I had I had to show the reality of what they wanted this man to do. Tim Noakes over in South Africa, the tweet heard around the world, you know, this story, Jack, I do not. Tim Noakes is probably one of the most storied doctors on the planet. Would you agree, Phil?
2: Oh, yeah, certainly. You know, many people knew him. He wrote the lore of running. And, uh, you know, he just uh, br- brilliant. Uh, physiologist and physician
1: and medical doctor and yep. the guy's done more studies on human anatomy and physiology than anyone else in South Africa. Tim's been on my show I, I want to say more than any other doctor. Maybe Nina Tychos is the only person that's been on more than Tim notes. Um I'm I'm a big fan. And the, he was set up with a tweet one night. Um they said uh when when is it okay for, you know what should a kid coming off the teat be able to eat? Right as soon as mommy's finished breastfeeding, and he says, "Well, if the kid has teeth and a whole thing, you should feed." You know, get the kid on vegetables and meat. They sued him. It cost um, the government of uh, South Africa for telling a mom to give a kid meat. They uh, it cost millions of dollars. He had to defend himself the state had to pay millions of dollars to run the, this this kangaroo court they had people like nina Tychos and everyone showing up to testify over in south africa he won the case they tried him a second time and cost millions of more dollars i am not making this story up you can look that up you can as as the kids say you can google that shit
0: so i got to know um you've made three documentaries I I, I will say the, the things that you're you're explaining to me I'm I'm laughing but it's because I'm past the anger stage i've I've in, right. I've I've gone through denial and anger and I'm now into radical acceptance um but I never got to the point with with figuring a lot of this stuff out that I felt like oh I I think I'll make a movie about this. What happened with you? Uh, who are you that you, that that this was the response that you had to, and I, I appreciate it, but you've gone way farther than a, you know, a guy like me who just says, oh, okay, everybody's idiots and I'm going to eat what I want to eat.
1: It all started when I wrote a book, when I wrote Fitness Confidential. And, I, and um, they looked around, at, you know, the agents over at WME William Morris Endeavor, one of the biggest agencies in the world. And they said, we know who you are, because you've been training our clients for years, but we googled your name and you do not exist on Google. So um, they said, you need to go figure out how to get famous on Google. And um, th- this is the early days, Wait, of,
0: your agent told you to figure out how to get famous. Yeah, yeah, Isn't that yeah they're, their they're... job.
1: No, they don't know how to do any of that. They, they, they agents take money after you figure out how to become famous. <laughs> Understand that. That's everyone. There's no agent who goes out and looks for talent. They wait until someone does something famous and then they take a piece. I, I'm, I wish I was making this up. People get to Hollywood and they go, "I need an agent." It's like, no, no agent's going to touch you. You need to figure out how to become Anna Nicole Smith before they will take you on it's just a fact. Right? So they said, you've written a great book here. But we you don't exist in Google. And apparently this Google machine matters. Now. This is about 12 years ago. So um, I didn't know how to do anything else. So we started doing a podcast because I used to have a radio show. So I knew how to talk on mic. So we started the podcast. And once the podcast became a thing, people started writing to me saying, you have to every time, every time a vegan propaganda movie came out, people would say you got to do the opposite movie and lie in the other direction. And it was like, well, if I do the other side of it, I'm not gonna lie. You know, just because they're saying that eating one egg can cause type two diabetes, I swear to God, they said that in the movie. Um, (laughs) And an egg can cause pus in your body. I swear to God, that was in a movie. And that milk was institutional racism in the movie, all of that came out of a movie called What the Health, all three of those things. Um, Forks over <laughs> knives, I wise them all and they just lie one lie after the other, right. And people kept saying you need to do the movie and upset kept saying, Why do I have to do the movie? And they said, Well, you live in Hollywood and you know, celebrities. And I said, that does not make me a movie. Maker. So factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, because of proximity. And the fact that I kiss ass a lot, I should be making movies. You've got all the qualifications. Yeah. I mean, mean, Jethro Bodine was a big Hollywood producer, according to the Beverly Hillbillies. But um, so um, someone came to me and they said, hey, we could get you money to make a movie. And I said, "Okay, but I need total autonomy. And they said, yeah, 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 all, all the autonomy you want. And the first thing they started doing was telling me what to do. So I said, take you, your money, get the hell out. Because I can't, all I have is integrity. I have nothing else. Right. And a couple of months passed, and this kid, I was at the Adam Carolla show, and this kid came in and he goes, Hey, man, I'm a big fan. I didn't know who the guy was. I was giving up my seat that day for the show, and he was taking my seat for the second half. And I was like, Who is that guy? Usually it's a celebrity that goes on after me. I, I didn't recognize him, so the next day I listened to the show. His name was Peter Pardini, and he had just done a movie called um, Chicago. Uh, now more than ever about the band Chicago, and he had given me when he shook my hand, he gave me his card, and I stuck it in my my, my wallet. And um, so the next day I'm listening. I went, oh, I love Chicago." So I went on the Netflix or whatever. And I watched the documentary. And about a week later, I called him I said, Peter, he goes, Oh, my God, you're calling me. I was like, Yeah, I just wanted to, you gave me your card. I watched the documentary. It was great. man. it's a great documentary. And um, he started telling me how he lost weight by reading my book and listening to the podcast and the whole deal. And I said, Oh, I love doing before and after stories. I'd like to do one on my Saturday show. So he came over to my house. he only lived a couple of miles away, and um, we did a show, and then after the show, he said, "You know, you really should do a documentary." And I said, "Peter, not you, please. I'm, I like you." And he says, "No, you really should." I said, "I don't have the money. I'm told it costs about a half a million dollars, and I'm told that I'll never see the money again. I don't have those kind of pockets." And he said, "You can get the money." I said, yeah, some other company wanted to give me the money, but then they started telling me I had to say certain things. I'm not doing it. And he goes, you can crowdfund it. And I said, do what? And he goes, you know, like Kickstarter or, you know, one of those. And I was like, how's that? And he goes, people just give you money. I said, Nob- nobody's going to give me money. He goes, man, you saved a lot of lives. People love you, man. It just go." I said, but 500,000. He goes, man, I'll do it with you. We can do it for probably 200. He goes, I bet you could get crowdfunded $150,000. And the only reason I set up, it was a GoFundMe. No, it was in the uh, Indiegogo. The only reason I did it was because I was absolutely sure that nobody would give me a (laughs) dollar. I'm going to prove you wrong. (laughs) And, um, we we were asking for 150. Uh, we did not get that. We ended up getting a quarter of a million. Um, yeah, people really came forward. This hat I have on right now was one of the gifts we gave away with, you know, you know, we gave away hats and all kinds of stuff. You can have a meal with me for money or whatever, right? So I ate a lot of steaks. <laughs> And we got two fifty, and it cost me over three hundred to do the movie. So I had to put some of my own money in, which you know I felt I had to. I felt you know these people put up all this money, I have to do this movie. And um, the movie did way better than documentaries are supposed to do. Um, it it's the number one movie that Gravitas Ventures has ever put out. It's seen around the world. It's on airplanes. It's everywhere still. And um, it came out right after this movie, Free Solo. And we even beat them for like a month. He was documentary of the year. He got an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we beat them for about five weeks. We took their spot for five weeks. And they still got documentary of the year. Rightly so, because that movie took over after that.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: But um, I, I was shocked. Um, and because the movie did so well during the pandemic, I took all the extra footage, put together a second documentary, and we called it FATA Documentary 2. Ah, I was going to um, ask
0: where number two came from.
1: Yeah. And that, it didn't make as much money as the first one, but it, we, we never expected it to. It's actually, uh, I think critically, it's a better movie. Two is better than one. Um, but one still eclipsed. Two, and then, when we did Beyond Impossible, it looks like Beyond Impossible is going to eclipse the first movie within a year. Um, I'm shocked at what that movie's doing, but yeah, yeah I do that, all those
2: I, I mean, no. I think the third movie, you know really uh i mean they all they speak to people, and like you said you all you have to stand on is your integrity, you tell the truth. I know you mentioned, you know, uh, in, uh, you know, about uh, the third movie, Beyond Impossible, that the lawyers went through it with the fine tooth comb to make sure that everything you were saying in there is the truth. And everything you say in there is the truth. And, uh, you know, certain camps uh, may not like to hear that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, that's what we have to fall back on. And, uh, you know, if we're going to get ourselves, I think, out of the mess that we're in, um, the only way we're going to do that is by speaking the truth, the truth and seeking the truth.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, it's, you, uh, I'm glad you remember that. Um, you know, it costs a lot to get these lawyers to go through. Every, they, they go through every line, everything that comes out of my mouth, everything we put in the movie, everything has to be spoken for, Every frame. Um, And usually, the meeting, you know, when you have the final meeting with them, it's like two hours. Um, With Beyond Impossible, we had three meetings, and each meeting went three or four hours each. And they couldn't believe the stuff that I'll tell you one of my favorite ones. Not to pick on the guy, but here goes. Um, We had Michael Greger at one point, he's in a movie a few times, but he's talking to um, he's doing London real. And yeah. they said, Look, we're, we're just we're extra nervous about this. But obviously, you took a 22nd clip of the guy just completely flipping out. And they can take that and say that, oh, you just pulled out a little piece where he was flipping out and it's not indicative of him the entire time. And I told my attorney, I said, I'm paying for this. I want you to go watch the entire London Reel video. And I got a call an hour later. <laughs> he goes, never mind. He was like that the entire time. He goes, I had no idea he was that off his rocker. I said, yeah. You know, for you to say that I, I pulled out a piece of someone just to make him look bad, go find me a section when he's looking good. Hmm. You know, you, you can't make this stuff up, right? I took nothing out of context. I didn't put words in anyone's mouth. Philip, you've seen the movie. Everyone, I, I asked um, Walter Willett to be in it. I asked Gregor to be in it. I asked uh, McDougal. I asked Clapper. I, asked, I could go down the, every vegan doctor, I asked every one of them to be in it and categorically got turned down. And I actually put their letters on screen in the movie to show you their letters back to me turning it down. I wasn't trying to do a propaganda movie. I was trying to show both sides. The other side wouldn't show up. Wouldn't show up on game day.
2: (laughs) Says a lot.
1: You can't make this stuff up.
0: So I gather from uh, what you've said that you're no longer in LA. Hmm no i I left um I did the
1: last two movies from Virginia. I live in Virginia now, the Commonwealth
0: yeah nice yeah how how come you you left uh the land of fruits and nuts <laughs> or as my uncle, who still lives there, says the world's largest open air insane asylum sorry
1: yeah that that's more <laughs> like it um you know. There was a a, a couple of reasons. Um, You can probably figure it out. Um, You know, the cost of living. um, We were living in a million dollar home. Now that may sound like a make me sound like a rich guy. We're not rich at all. A million dollars buys you 1900 square feet in the valley in a safe neighborhood. Okay. Now, when Homeless encampments move in front of your house and threaten all the money you have in the world that you have sitting in a house, right? That's that's your only investment. You know, I'm not a rich guy, right? That's that's my investment. And when a homeless encampment starts showing up out front, and you call the city, and the city goes, they have just as much rights as you, and I'm going, I'm paying taxes, and they say. We don't care. What am I supposed to do? Just let my house become part of a homeless. So, you know, we I encouraged them to move away a couple of times by walking out and having a conversation. Um with a friend of mine that came along. Well, two friends, Smith and Wesson showed up. And um <laughs> you know, they would move along because they had these vans, right, they would pick up their couch off the sidewalk. and But then another group would come in, you know, and and then I started Ventura Boulevard, it's like a block away, that became a, a homeless. And I'm looking around going, what are we doing? What, what are we doing here? You know, there, we better sell this place while we can. You know, and, and we, I, it was as simple as that, you know, it was like, I tried. I talked to you know, the government. I tried to do it my way. It just didn't matter, and um, that along with taxes were just extremely high. You know, for no reason. It's like, well, I'm paying all these taxes for what? Well, there's there's mountains and beach. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but you know, at some point you just go. There's got to be someplace better than here.
0: You know. So connect the dots for me. You go to Tulane, get a, uh, uh, get your education in. Exercise, physiology, and nutrition. And then you end up in uh, LA as a trainer. Mm-hmm. What, 40 years ago?
1: Yeah, well, I spent my first 10, my first, well, I, I lived in New Orleans for 10 years. I started off, I was um, the assistant strength coach at Tulane. They hired me even as an oh, okay. undergrad. And um, then I moved on to Newman High School, um, best known for having two quarterbacks that were NFL MVPs, um, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um, so I was the head strength coach there. Um, Eli was too young; he wasn't under my tutelage. Uh, Cooper Manning was. As a matter of fact, I took him to spring break. You know, I was good friends with the Mannings; good people. And Peyton was young at the time. Um, but that, you know, I had that and I had the early, I was one of the early trainers and in, in, in New Orleans and, you know, I was well known for getting weight off of people. And, um, there was a connection between a client and someone in LA and they had gotcha. me to. And I was in back then they, they would do articles on me, shape magazine and come down and did a thing on me and that kind of thing. And so I was getting a reputation and I went out to LA and worked with an actor. I worked with another guy. um, I don't mention many of the names. But um, Peter Weller was in New Orleans, I worked with him for a a minute. And he mentioned me to someone in LA. And I went out there to train that person, I I started to get a a bit of a reputation. And, um,
0: you know, there you have it. So did your your career as a trainer change as a result of your this move into documentaries and I'm mean, looking at your website, you, you do a lot. You got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Are you still, um, doing it? Are you still training people? No.
1: Well, you know, it, uh, thank you for asking me this question because um, it, as it turns out at some point after the book became a big deal, the book became a really big deal, which was shocking to me. Um, I, I ended up self-publishing it and um, it, it, it became a bestseller on Amazon and it stayed at the, you know, it stayed number one on Amazon forever. And then, uh, the, the book still makes it's like a 10 year old book. Now it still makes money every year, which is shocking to me. Um, but the book became a big deal that led to, um, you know, the podcast got bigger and bigger. This was before everybody and their cousin had a podcast and you can get a big audience. So, uh, that happened. Um, Adam Carolla happened to figure me out and started bringing me on his show. I've done his show close to 100 times now. Uh, Dr. Drew started figuring me out. Um, so between that, and then I started a vitamin company purevitaminclub.com. vitamin um, And then the coffee company purecoffeeclub.com. And now we have NSNG which makes ultra fat. So I'm the I'm the president of three companies. Um, and, you know, I run Vinnie So I looked around one day and I went, oh, shit. I don't know. You know, I was at a party one night and someone said, well, what do you do for a living? And I stared at him for a minute and they thought I was having a stroke. And I said, I, I don't know, because I realized the I, I only have one client left in L.A. It was Howie Mandel. And the only reason I still had Howie was because we're best friends. And I didn't know how to tell him that I didn't train people anymore. So I would still show up at his house and we lived about a mile apart. And we ate lunch and dinner a lot. So I I didn't know how to tell you know, I I had one client left. And that was it. And um, so I looked around and went, we were driving home from this party, I said to my wife, honey, I don't know who I am anymore. And she goes, what? I said, I don't know what I do for a living. And she goes, well, you have the vitamins. And I said, do I look like a fucking CEO to you? Sorry. Sorry for my language. But, <laughs> and she goes, no, but you are. And I said, but I'm not. And that's when we figured out to set up the phone calls where people can call and talk to me. I did four phone calls. I, I got off of my last phone call to start this podcast. So people can go to my website and sign up for a phone call. So I coach five days a week on the phone and love it. Um, But there was a long time where I was confused as to who I was. I had forgotten who I was. And everybody would go, oh, but you were making money. And I'm still making money. But that's not who you, money doesn't define anyone.
0: Yeah.
1: When you die, what are they going to say? Oh, you know how much you made? Nobody's going to say that.
0: This is this may what? be one of my absolute favorite moments in all, however many episodes we've done. That is so cool.
1: Is, which part is cool, so I can repeat yeah. it on my next podcast?
0: I confession. I don't know who I. I didn't know who I was, and now I'm coaching five days a week. I love it. You go to your website. This this looks like oh this is an this is an enterprise here, but but the mm-hmm. thing that that makes your heart race is getting on the phone with somebody and coaching them. That's just yeah. so cool. Sorry, Phil.
2: No, I was just going to ask the, you know, what's next Vinny, you know, in, 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 I guess, you know, in 50 years when, you know, the ketogenic diet and all the meat, you know, finally, uh, you know, finally does you in like they've been saying it was going to do for the past 40 <laughs> years um, through cancer, by the way, we didn't even get to uh, touch on yeah. that, but um, you know, what, 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 what do you hope they say about you? What do you hope you're able to do? Uh, moving forward here, building upon everything you've already done?
1: I, I don't know. Um You never think about your place in history. And I doubt that I'm going to be mentioned. Um, You know, sometimes people go, yeah, I do NSNG, and they'll go, Oh, you mean Vinnie? And they'll go, who's Vinny? So, you know, my, you know, doing NSNG, no sugars, no grains is, is beyond me now. Some people don't even know my name. Sometimes they go, Yeah, we love Vinnie. And was, what about Anna? Was like, Who's Anna? You know, so I don't think people really, you know, the world happens like this now, you know, it's just so fast. You know, Nina and I talked about that. Nina, the great Nina and uh, uh Nina tie shows and say, like, we won't be remembered for you know, being at the beginning of this, Gary and I have talked about it too. You know, it's like, we're just trying to help and do what we can right now. Um, I was talking about Gary Fetke earlier. I'm talking about Gary Taubs now. Um, But I don't think anyone's going to remember any of us or give us any credit for any of it. You know, and I don't really expect them to. So if we can help a few people along the way, I, I think, I think that's where it's at
2: don't you? Yeah. And, and I think hopefully we get back to the point where we remember what we forgot. And 50 years from now, everyone will just say, Oh, it's obvious, you know, you should all be eating meat. Uh, And we're not even uh, really having the discussion anymore. We're back to where it should be. Uh, But I think uh, you will certainly played a a big role in that.
1: Well, look, I mean, earlier when, um, when Jack was saying, um, he goes, yeah, but you know we figured this out 5 minutes. He goes like, oh, let's go back to Banting. You know, let's go back to John yutkin. Let's go back we go back to a lot of people. There was also a cancer doctor name starts with a no. It's it's slipping my mind back in the 20s and 30s. Um uh, I can't remember. Um but yeah, there's a lot of people we can look at and go, "Wait, well, we had to figure it out. And now we don't even remember those people's names." Mm-hmm. You know you you have to really go deep to figure out their names. You know? So um I, I don't know how it turns out, but you know if we can if we can make the world a better place while we're here, I guess that's uh that's kind of what we're doing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have answers. Well, well I have start.
0: I have one question that I think probably everyone is dying to know the answer to. All right. And even if nobody but me is, this is very important to me. Um, As somebody who suffers from, um, uh, well, it's very important for me to keep my blood caffeine levels appropriately high. Yeah. Coffee is very important to me. Why pure coffee? What's the story there?
1: Um, I just, it was a play off of um, purevitaminclub.com. Coffee. I, I just finished a, a cup while we were podcasting. You know, I was drinking a cup the entire time. Um, coffee is probably next to water. The healthiest thing we can drink is the number one. Oh, you are my favorite person. And, and by the way, that was one of my early questions back in, you know, back in college. You know, I would ask doctors like, what's wrong with coffee? And is it bad for you? Why causes, you know, the jitters? Why is that bad? Well, you know, caffeine, what's wrong with caffeine? Well, caffeine is not good. What, what It could cause cancer. Based on what? It's the number one consumed beverage around the world. And as we know now, uh, because of how it reacts with adenosine and everything else and, and what happens in the brain and the fact that um, uh, the more coffee we drink, the American Heart Association is saying for each cup, you can lower the incident of heart disease by 10% cup per day. And if you have two cups is double that and on and on and on. Um, that's not me saying that that's the AHA saying that. And um, now you know, they're finally agreeing that it can arrest free radicals. And um, it's a great antioxidant, probably the best one you can have. How, how can that be bad? Okay, if you drink too much on an empty stomach, you'll get the jitters. Don't do that.
0: Oh, God, I'm so glad we had this conversation. It's not like I was going to quit drinking coffee anyway, but. (laughs) But wait, don't take it from me. I I have a vested interest. I own a
1: coffee company. Yeah, but I'm not buying coffee from you. So. Right. But your audience might. I don't want you guys to think, (laughs) oh, you got to. You know, I'm not Dave Asbury. I don't pretend my coffee is better than anyone else's. My coffee (laughs) is just my interpretation of coffee. I came up with the roast. I'm the guy that goes around and find the, the the green beans around the globe. At certain times of the year, we roast them to the way I like coffee to taste. So when people go, what's the best coffee, and my answer is always the one you like, you know, you might like what black rifles doing, you might like what intelligentsia is doing, Hell, you might like that swill over at Starbucks, I don't know. Uh, but you know, someone's going to make a coffee that you like, it might, it probably won't be me. Okay, I'm going to
0: bitch. I'll, I'll, I'll I'm just gonna...
2: jump in with my disclosure and say I buy my coffee from Vinny, but...
0: <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I'm going to kvetch just a little bit here. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I have a favorite coffee. It's this little... Co- it's a little t- coffee shop here in town. The The family that owns the coffee shop also owns a, a, a coffee farm in Brazil. So this coffee doesn't actually change ownership. It only changes ownership three wow. times when they buy the beans from whoever provides the beans and then they grow it and then they sell it to me. I love this coffee. It is so bloody expensive. And I drink so much coffee. I've been trying <laughs> yeah, for months, for years really to try to find a coffee. I like as much as I like this one. Well, you got to find out, you know, because Brazil produces a certain time per year, you know,
1: you got to chase it around the globe. We I buy a lot of coffee, I get one of my coffees out of um, Costa Rica. And um, they do it where they leave a little bit of the mucilage. It's called we call it honey processed. They leave a little bit of the mucilage whenever they they dried um, on the drying patios. And it the flavor of that coffee is beyond beyond and that's out of all the ones that I do. Okay,
0: which favorite. one is it? I'm, I'm looking at Pure uh, Coffee Club right now.
1: Look at the Honey Process. Um, and um, it's in a yellow, it's got a little yellow label on, on it. Honey Process. Find that one. If you can right. find Yeah, go find that. Look, there's a coffee place in town called Shenandoah Joe's, and they have... Um, uh, one that comes out of the Terrazo region of Costa Rica, which I also have one. I test their coffee against mine and I like their interpretation of how they roast theirs. Different, I can't say better than I like the one I do. Mine is my house blend, but you can taste the same beans from the same region and you get my interpretation and then I get the way they roast theirs and get their interpretation. When you're a coffee nerd, you're a coffee nerd. I am, you know I am ordering right now yeah you might like it you might if you hate it I am not giving you your money back
0: <laughs>
1: that, that's a guarantee for me um, I, you're there, not there is no coffee bags, I yeah.
0: hate there's no coffee I hate yeah, yeah. um I'm I of, will drink Folgers or Maxwell house if if there's nothing else available that's how bad it is folks
1: there was one um called Trace something trace something from intelligentsia a couple of years ago Trace something. But then Intelligentsia got really big and sold the company. And that particular bean went south for me. I went, oh, come on. You guys couldn't just keep doing it exactly the way they were doing it. So I get nerdy on, on, on coffees. I try everybody else's stuff. Black Rifle has a lot of good stuff, too.
0: I had no idea that, that there's a Black Rifle that opened just up the road from me. Really? I didn't. I had no idea they had Brick and mortar locations, apparently. They, they, they do started now. doing them.
1: Yeah, they they started doing them. Um, you know, people go, You talk about other people's coffee. It's like, yeah, I'm a coffee nerd. You you know, you might like mine, you might love mine. We we have a following that's second to none, but I keep mine at a boutique level. I'm never gonna be black rifle, I'm never gonna be community coffee, I'm never gonna be blue bottle because we keep it boutique and um I like it that way. That way I can really control what we do.
0: All right. Well, I'm I'm getting my uh, 12 ounce uh, honey process as soon as we hang up here. Cool. I I, I I this is obviously the type of conversation I could just let go for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I'd really like to have a whiskey in my pipe right now, um, but we don't have that kind of time.
2: Phil, well, you got to do a Friday show with Vinny to get the uh, the bourbon out. If
1: you ever want to do, um, I do Scotch shows sometimes. Do you? Oh. Uh,
0: well, Sir, you may be you interested work? in this. Seriously, I just got back from Austin, Texas. Uh, I am part of a marketing partnership, and uh, you may have heard of uh, uh, the Crowded Barrel Distillery. I have not. Well, there's a there's a whiskey channel on YouTube.
1: I'm uh, writing Daniel, it out
0: now. <laughs> um, uh, Daniel Whittington and Rex Williams. Um, and they've got a whiskey vault there on the campus of, of wizard Academy. And, um, there are, I asked Daniel on Tuesday night, he said, how many unique whiskeys do you have here? Not the total number of bottles, how many different whiskeys? And it's over 3000. I'm standing here in this whiskey vault. And he said, you know, what do you like? And I told him, you know, my favorites. He said, okay, well, we're going to go. And he pulled something off that that he said ninety eight percent of this uh, uh production goes into blends, but this bottle is is a malted. Yeah, it was fun and interesting and weird. And wild. I'm 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 a whiskey nerd as well yeah. as a coffee snob. So we will have <laughs> let's have a let's have a whiskey show, Phil. Can we do it? Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs>
2: Phil, you Metab- know metabolic health and whiskey.
1: Yeah, we we could do it. Um I've done it before. I've done it on my own podcast where we we'll drink throughout the whole show. We have done 2200 podcasts, so sometimes you got to change it
0: up a bit. Yeah, we're we're not quite that far. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
2: in there. Well, it's been great Vinny and uh certainly we're going to have you back uh I suspect many more times. And uh it's always just uh, th- this is just the types of conversation we uh, we love right. to have here.
0: I love it. This has been good stuff. Yeah, all right. Uh, well you can follow uh, you can get a hold of Vinny at his uh, website, which is remind me of that again. com
1: T-O-R-T-O-R-I-C-H Vinny is spelled V-I-N-N-I-E. VinnyTotterich.com. Oh and uh everything and we have a free pdf there um has been downloaded north of 300,000 times and i'm not never charged a dime i will put a fee on it at some point um but i've been saying that for 10 years and we still haven't put a fee on it so you can go get that for free It's 26 pages of how to get healthy
0: very good well, we'll i'll put i'll put a link to that in the show notes and you can get to the Pure Coffee Club and all the other things that we've talked about there from Vinny's website as you access it, get to his uh, podcast. It's all there. So that's good stuff. I recommend that highly. And for those of you who had not figured it out yet, you can get a hold of Dr. Philip Ovedia at ifixhearts.co, take a metabolic health quiz there, or his website, ovediahearthealth.com. Lots of good stuff there. Follow The Good Doctor on Twitter at iFixHearts. For the uh, Stay Off My Operating Table podcast, I'm Jack Heald. We'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avedia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.